has invited us to join him in his mission to heal and restore and redeem people. And he loves it when we're able to be a part of that. As a matter of fact, that's kind of the way he purposed and planned it, was for us to be able to be a part of that. As we've watched these opening stories this month, I hope you've enjoyed them as much as I have. I just, uh, I love to hear about how God's at work in our church family and people who see the place where God has put them, maybe daily or, or the environment where they're, the community that they live in, and they've listened to God's voice and said, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to make myself available for God to use me. Uh, but maybe as you've watched those and you've seen everything from firefighters to school teachers and other people, maybe you're thinking about your context and you're just thinking, I don't know where I fit in that. It doesn't seem like maybe in my context I have the opportunity to have impact or, or to make a difference. Uh, I hope that God will answer some of those questions for you this morning. How could you use, be used by God to bring the hope and love of Jesus to the people that God, uh, the context where God has placed you. And so t- today we're going to talk about that. How can we go in the name of Jesus uh, and do just that? But sometimes when you hear a phrase, going in the name of Jesus, um, it might give you a moment for pause or set you back a little bit because maybe that phrase sounds like a spiritual plane that you don't typically operate on. Uh, maybe an associated with a Going in the name of Jesus, you think about uh, someone who carries a big Bible with big hair and a big voice and is out on a street corner somewhere saying, in the name of Jesus. And uh, maybe that just doesn't quite resemble uh, your brand of Christianity or where you feel you live and work every day. So I want to be careful this morning that we don't set anybody back and uh, anybody say, well, well that, maybe that's not for me today. Um, because uh, I believe that we all, even though we might have a different picture sometimes of what different phrases mean that God has purpose for all of us, I want to tell you a story or read you a story from Eugene Peterson. If you're not familiar with Eugene Peterson, he has written a lot uh, in Christianity. He was a, a pastor and a writer, and he actually wrote the message paraphrase of the Bible. So if you've ever utilized the message as a devotional tool, sometimes we use it here at Daybreak because uh, he just has a very creative way of, of uh, reframing, maybe, or framing God's, God's truth. Uh, but he's a very creative writer, and he told this story from his life that I want to read to you. He said this, On day three of the first grade, I was discovered by the school bully, whose name was Garrison Johns. This began a daily ritual for me of getting beat up, no matter what I did. I tried to find an alternate route home, but it didn't matter. Garrison found me, and he beat me up. I told my mom, but my mom responded as any good Christian mom would, and she said, This is how it has always been like to be a Christian, son. You must turn the other cheek and bless those who persecute you. That, as you can imagine, was not what I wanted to hear. When Garrison found out that I was a Christian, the bullying went to a whole new level. Then after he would beat me up, he would now taunt me with a new name, Jesus Sissy. This went on for some time until one day it happened. March came. I remember that it was March by the weather. The winter snow was melting, but there were still patches of it here and there. And the days were getting longer, so I was no longer walking home in the late afternoon dark. And then something unexpected happened. I was with my neighborhood friends on this day, seven or eight of them, when Garrison caught up with us and started in on me, jabbing and taunting, working himself up to the main event. He had an audience, and that helped. He always did better with an audience. But that's when it happened. Totally uncalculated, totally out of character, something snapped within me. For just a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness, and I grabbed Garrison. To my surprise and to his, I realized that I was stronger than he was, and I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, and pinned his arms to the ground with my knees. I couldn't believe it. He was helpless under me. 
He was at my mercy. It was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists, and it felt good. I hit him again. Blood squirted from his nose, a lovely crimson on the snow. By this time, all the other children were cheering, egging me on. Black his eyes, bust his teeth. I said to Garrison, say uncle, and he wouldn't say it. I hit him again, more blood, more cheering. Now my audience was bringing the best out of me. And then my Christian training reasserted itself. I said, say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. (laughs) He wouldn't say it, so I hit him again, more blood. (laughs) I tried again, say it, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it, Garrison Johns was my first Christian convert. So I don't know how you hear that story. Some of you laugh. Some of you are like, yeah, sounds good to me. Some of you already have it in mind for someone. Someone's going to have a come to Jesus moment as a result of you hearing that story this morning. But I guess we all have different ways that God gives us of bringing the name of Jesus to the places where we go. Now, I don't necessarily recommend Eugene Peterson's way. uh, But today we want to look at two places in Scripture where Jesus gives very clear directions and directives of what it means for us to go in his name. What does it mean for us to live our lives in the name of Jesus, to go in the name of Jesus? Uh, How can we practically apply that to our lives, no matter what our profession is, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter how how busy or social we feel we might be, God has placed us where he has placed us for a reason, and he wants us to go in Jesus' name. So this morning, we're going to talk about how we can join God in the here and now as a part of our everyday life. If you haven't opened your outlines yet, you might want to do that. You can open them up, uh, take some notes. It'll help you follow along this morning. I can be used by God here and now when I, number one, go in the name of Jesus to people on the margins. I can be used by God in the here and now when I'm willing to go to, in the name of Jesus to people who are on the margins. If you want to know how God is working, just look at how Jesus lived and what Jesus' life was all about. And when you look at Jesus' life, you always see that he understood and was obedient to the will of his Father. So in Scripture, we can see that Jesus was often in prayer and talking with God and carrying out the will of God as he lived his life and carried on his ministry on earth. And you can see this throughout Jesus' life and ministry. He understood that the Father's mission included reaching out to the people who were the most neglected by our society. And and here uh, in a moment, we'll look at a few of those. The sick, the prisoner, those in need. Jesus modeled for us, he he modeled a clear ministry to people who were on the margins, people who were marginalized, and he was also clear about helping us see that this is God's plan. It's God's plan to work in and through our lives in order to touch the lives of those who feel on the margins. I want you to follow along in Luke chapter 4. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Now, the reason why this was so controversial, and if you read on in this uh, passage in Luke chapter 4, you'll see that it says that Nazareth was where Jesus was brought up. It was his hometown. And shortly after this, they were so offended by what Jesus had just said. Uh, Nazareth is built up in the mountains. It's built actually on the side of cliffs. And they actually ran Jesus out of the synagogue and uh, wanted to run him off of the cliffs. But then the Bible kind of gives one of those, he had one of those mysterious Jesus moments where he just kind of disappeared. I thought, I wonder what that really looked like. Did he just like disappear? Like, honestly, he was there and then he disappeared, or did he just kind of slip away in the crowd? But the reason why this was so controversial and why they wanted to take Jesus' life, even by him just saying this, is that he's saying, look, God had a plan at the beginning of the time. The prophet Isaiah predicted it was going to happen. God had a plan that he was going to reach marginalized people. And today in your hearing, I'm going to tell you that I was anointed by God to carry out that plan. I am the one. I am the son of God who is going to bring the good news of hope to people who are oppressed, to people who are hurting, to people who are poor, to people who are in prison, to people who are marginalized. I'm going to be the one who's going to come. And through the power of God and his anointing on my life, I'm going to bring freedom and I'm going to bring life and I'm going to bring hope to those people. This is what Jesus was called to do. And the beautiful part is, Jesus was just setting up here. This is what my ministry is going to be about. In the, in the heart of the temple, in the heart of his hometown, he was letting everybody know, this is who I'm going to be, and you're not going to like it, and we might as well just get used to that from day one, because we're going to turn things upside down. We're going to value people who weren't valued before. The good news is good news to the sick, and the hurting, and the helpless, and people who are willing to depend on Christ. Those are the people who the good news is most meaningful to. So this is controversial that Jesus said this, and here we see um, Jesus is saying, who is the good news, good news for it? The poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed, some of the marginalized of Jesus' day. And so then we think, well, who are the marginalized in our day? Oftentimes we think of people who are like single moms or people out of work or hungry people, divorced people, people who are dealing with, with illnesses and sicknesses, prisoners, elderly. It's really not too different from who the marginalized were in Jesus' day might just look a little bit different in our culture, but sometimes it's the same kind of people. And the gospel was good news. Jesus was good news for people in his day, and he still remains to be good news for the marginalized people in our day because of this purpose. Jesus just didn't come to meet felt needs. Jesus didn't show up on the scene and say, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let the blind people see. I'm gonna help the lame people walk. I'm gonna give food to people who are hungry. I'm going to give hope to people who are hopeless. But beyond that, beyond meeting their felt needs, he said, and then I'm going to do a bigger work in them because the work I'm going to do in them is going to meet their, their soul need, their heart need, their spiritual need. They're going to find forgiveness and grace and they're going to experience true love in who I am. And that's going to bring fulfillment to their life and give them purpose in life. So Jesus was intentional about loving people on the margin. He declared it right from the beginning of his ministry. And I really believe that he calls us to be intentional about it too. Not just to kind of, well, if I have the opportunity or if the door opens up, maybe I'll be a part of that, but to be intentional. People in the margins of our life are people that it would be easy for us to overlook. As a matter of fact, oftentimes people who are on the margins make us uncomfortable when we really bring them into our lives because we think about things like, well, what if I don't have any hope to offer them? Or what if I can't encourage them? Or what if I can't sacrifice the time that I need to do to, to really be a part of their lives in a meaningful way? Seems like a big risk maybe to bring those people into my home or to, to make that investment in people's lives. And we kind of get consumed with ourselves. 
instead of being able to be focused on the need or on God calling us to be a part of meeting that need. But Jesus says that we're to be a part of making the good news real to every person that we lock eyes with, including people who are in uncomfortable places. And God wants them to know that he deeply, deeply loves them. And this is the best part about being a part of a spiritual family and really being part of God's family, even beyond this spiritual family. And that's that we don't have to be responsible for every marginalized person in the world. God just calls us to be responsible and to listen to his voice to the marginalized people that are in our life, that we come in contact with. And as we do that, and as we're obedient to God, and as you and I, and you and I, around this room, as we're all obedient to that, we can have a huge impact as the, bo- on the body of Christ on those who are hurting in our world. I want to give you a great example of this with one of our family members. Uh, Melissa Guzik is uh, now the director of children's ministry at our Good Hope Road campus. Uh, great girl. Uh, Melissa came here years ago, started when she first came to Daybreak, was invited by someone else, and she was a single mom. Uh, she, uh, at the time, uh, was raising kids on her own and in a very, very tough spot financially and a lot of other different ways emotionally. Um, but Melissa, through uh, the love of Christ, uh, surrendered her life to God and has had tremendous, experienced tremendous life change. Part of her journey has been a couple years ago, she got married. And uh, so now she's no longer a, a single mom. She has a husband. They're raising her, a family together. One of the amazing things is that God never um, gave up on working through Melissa. Melissa never gave up on God's call on her life to help others who were in a similar situation. So Melissa came to our care team uh, a couple years ago before Christmas and said, hey, have any needs come in for single moms? Because I would like to be a part of ministering to a single mom. This was after she was married. Um, And so uh, we often have needs like that that our care team makes available. Sometimes they're in-house needs, part of our church family, and many times they're, they're from the community. And so our care team says, yes, as a matter of fact, we've partnered, we've been given some resources to a single mom in our community, and she has needs. Would you like to help her? Melissa said, great. Melissa was a part of meeting some of those felt needs that Christmas. She provided food. They provided uh, some gifts that Christmas time for those kids, uh, for the single mom. Just beautiful ministry to this mom. But I think beyond that, the beautiful part was that Melissa began to have relationship with her. She understood her pain and began to invest in her. And that single mom, whose name is Morgan, came to Daybreak a couple years ago, Easter for the first time, and really uh, began a journey of discovering uh, what it means to have a relationship with God and uh, what it means to have more than just your practical needs met, uh, but to have your spiritual need met as well. And so uh, a year or so ago, Melissa surrendered her life to Christ, and or Morgan did, sorry, and has been on this beautiful, beautiful journey of, of healing and hope. But it was all possible because of Melissa saying, I'm going to look for somebody on the margin. Somebody, I'm going to be intentional about living my life and investing in someone who's on the margin, someone who was in a similar spot to Iowa, that, that I was, that I can make a difference in their life as well. And this is why I feel so blessed that we can be a part of a spiritual family, because there are so many ways that people on the margins are touched by God's love through our church family at daybreak. And you get to hear those things 
and be encouraged by them in many ways. Some of us, uh, we've seen them through the videos before the sermons, just different ways. Those aren't ministries. Those ones that you see on the screens, they're not ministries of daybreak. They're not things that we got started, and that's why we wanted to celebrate them. They're things that God put on people's hearts, uh, either places where they already are working or or, uh, serving, um, or maybe even some ministries that those people got started on their own to invest in our community. Some of you are involved in small groups, and your small group has been committed yearly to taking on a need or a handful of needs, and you're going out in Jesus' name consistently throughout the year and investing in other people's lives, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Our care ministry does a phenomenal job of opening the door for many of you to be involved in serving uh, in projects, uh, in meeting needs of families individually or larger needs. And we also do this corporately as a church family throughout the year. When it comes to our local community, uh, Daybreak partners intentionally with several local ministries that do a tremendous job of loving people who are on the margins right here in our church family. Uh, Joel mentioned a couple of them this morning already, the Capital Area Pregnancy Center, uh, this uh, Past spring, we did the baby bottle blast, which our church uh, always does a tremendous job uh, participating in, and now you have a chance to be a part of the Walk for Life. Uh, We also partner with Stop the Violence Ministries, and we make sure that the kids have backpacks who need them going into school and and meet other needs, uh, practical needs like that. New Hope Ministries is a great uh, partner of ours. We're so thankful that they're so good at what they do in having the inroads in our community uh, to help feed, the, uh, feed and clothe and provide practical training for people who are in need. And, um, you know, we should never be too proud to say it. No one, no one of us knows when that need, we might have that need, you know, when we might be the one who's out of work and we need food. And, and New Hope Ministries, as we've poured into them, has poured back into many of our church family members um, with some of their specific areas of expertise when uh, members of our church family have been need, in need as well. So just a great community partnership. And today I also want to highlight, uh, and we're going to do the food drive uh, this, this uh, coming up this month also, and I want to encourage you all, as Pastor Joel did earlier, just get involved in that. Fill a bag or fill 10 bags or get your whole office to fill bags. Uh, get your kids involved. Uh, let's really, really bless uh, our community and those who are hungry in our community as we head into the wintertime. I just want to highlight today uh, one other partnership that uh, we have, and this one is a huge uh, blessing to be a part of for us, and that's um, that our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, has seen the need uh, to plant a church right in the heart of Harrisburg, which we've appropriately called Heart of Harrisburg uh, as a church, and uh, in an area that many people are moving out of because... um, uh, the needs there are, are, are strong, and it's just a tough area to live. Uh, our denomination are, is moving in and really building relationship and want to be there for the long haul, not as a short, just kind of jump in and try to have impact for a, a, a weekend or a short uh, blip, but to really stay there and invest in the lives of people. And, and today, our church family, you've heard a lot about that in the last year or two. Many of you have gotten involved uh, or been involved in one way or another. Uh, today, uh, Pastor Joel's going to come with uh, Pastor Ricardo as well and his family and introduce you, them to you and some of the members of our church family who have uh, felt called and been obedient uh, to go serve people on the margins uh, are going to be coming as well. So let's welcome them all today as we hear about Heart of Harrisburg. Thank you, guys. Well, as you can see from up on the screen, there's a number of our church family who are uh, volunteering to be part of Heart of Harrisburg. And 
we do uh, support Heart of Harrisburg with, uh, financially. We give to them uh, systematically out of our budget and, and try to bless and be part of that. And we've also uh, just been trying to get the word out over the last uh, year or so uh, with the Heart of Harrisburg is kind of in what's called prenatal uh, time, and uh, uh, I've been involved in two different church plants, so we have all our church plant words that we use, but it means that we're just a, we're a, a baby that's, you know, starting to grow. People are gathering together in a community, and Heart of Harrisburg is really a place where we're saying the Allison Hill area has been a place where people are marginalized, and people are moving out, and uh, through the cooperation of about 10 different Alliance churches and our district office working all together, actually able to purchase a place, uh, the old Martin Luther King Baptist Church, which is now Heart of Harrisburg, right in Allison Hill. And so um, it's neat to have a place and a people is forming, a people group's forming. Uh, Pastor Paul Rigolato is working alongside a Ric- Pastor Ricardo and his family. And I uh, just want to introduce him, him to you this morning and let him talk more than me, and I'll pray then. Go ahead, Ricardo. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you guys. And again, thank you for your support to the church plant. Question for you. Well, maybe it's not a question. If you had to choose comfort or obedience as a body of Christ, which one do you choose? It's really a non-option as followers of Christ. And for us, we, uh, we've made that decision a number of times, and um, often the choice sometimes leads to more comfort. Uh, other time, it doesn't. Uh, December 29th, 2012, we, were, we had been serving at a church in Syracuse for about four and a half years. And working there, it's been great. We love the people, love the church, love what God, is, God was doing through us in the ministries that we were involved in. But there was this... Um, frustration, let's call it holy frustration, that was happening that kind of um, led us to ask God, what is it that you want us to do? Um, In the process, we came across um, these guys, Terry, and we were talking for months and months and months uh, regarding the possibility of us coming um, to Harrisburg. And um, born, raised mostly in Haiti, ministered throughout the United States in different areas. And so we came for a visit. One of the things we recognized was the darkness the emptiness, the, the need for light, the need for life to come through. So coming back, uh, the offer was extended, the call was extended to us. And December 29th, I was getting ready to preach the end of the year, start of the new year sermon. And a couple weeks prior to that, as I'm praying through, I said, God, if this is where you want me to go, what you want me to do, I want you to tell me. Be careful when you pray like that, because he answers um, and really, I, I said to God very specifically, I, I didn't want to just get a good feeling about it. I don't want to just kind of have the sense of peace and calm about it. I said, God, I want you to talk to me unlike any other time uh, before. Uh, December 29th came around. I, we had a great service set up, worship, preach, worship. And um, during that worship time, after I was done preaching, there's this guy on the corner really worshiping God like crazy, which was odd for us. We are, our church mostly was a very calm church. Um, so this guy was raising his hand all up in the corner, and we thought, okay, well, this guy is not from around here. Um, and as, um, at the end of the service, we, um, you know, I did the pastoral thing, meet people, greet. And this guy at uh, front uh, was praying, and afterwards I came to him and we were talking. And he shared with me, said, Ricardo, I've been going around to different countries, to different um, churches, asking God how he would have me pray. 
And he began to talk to me and said, Ricardo, I see you have a passion. I see you are, I mean, it's in you. You are sold out for Christ. And, of course, I said, um, in my mind, didn't say it out loud. I said, of course. You just watched me preach. You just heard me preach. It's easy to tell. I am passionate about the gospel. And he proceeded to say, well, I feel like God wants me to tell you something. And as a spiritual giant as I am, I said, well, no, um, only God, God speak to me. I'm the, I'm the pastor and not people like you. Um, and he proceeded to share with me what led me to the, the decision. He said, Ricardo, I feel that you, God wants me to tell you that you've been struggling with a decision. Never met this guy before, first time in church. And he proceeded to say, uh, God wants me to tell you to go. I'm with you. And man, I, I was so uh, relieved to hear that. A man that I wouldn't listen to or wouldn't want to listen to and a man that doesn't know me. And as he does that and as I'm walking out, he said, I'll be back next week. And I was at the church for another two and a half months, did not see the man once. But as I left, eight days later, I was sitting in my, in my boss's office res re resigning my position at the church. Why Allison Hill? Why the heart, the heart of Harrisburg? Why not? It is an opportunity to see God at work in the most desperate area. And we see the needs of the people, and we come. We're not the saviors. We're not the heroes. We are God's workmanship set up to do a good work. David is one of the guys I'll probably never forget. In our first community dinners, we have been doing this for a while, and we do it every last Friday of the month. At the end of our first community dinner, David calls me over, and I've never met him before. He said, Pastor, I need for you to pray with me because I want to dedicate my life to Christ. And seeing these things happening day after day, and we've been here for seven months. Man, the work and the miracle that God has come through has just been amazing. And we know that God is, has called us to serve him, not to go to Africa, not to go to some, you know, other parts of the world. Again, I'm from Haiti. I'd love to go back to Haiti. But God has called me here in Harrisburg. And that's how we are serving him here now. We are serving him serve by serving those who are marginalized. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of something different this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand up to your feet. And there's different times in Scripture that says that when, um, when people would agree that God's hand was on someone's life, they would either put a hand on that person and pray for them, or they would stretch out their hand toward those people if they couldn't be that close. So I'm going to ask you to do just something a little bit awkward this morning. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stretch your hand. If you believe that God's hand is on their life uh, to touch people who are marginalized, that you would pray with me as I lay hands and pray with this group of people. And uh, I really believe in the calling that is on their life. And I, I believe that there's many ways that we can partner with them as they take the lead. And we're the hands and feet. And we come in and say, you take the lead. We'll serve under you and with you uh, gladly. And uh, so after the service, this team and, and Pastor Ricardo will be with his wife and family out at Ministry Central to meet them, greet them, talk with them. But let's just pray right now and agree with what God's doing. Lord, I thank you 
for the anointing power on this team and on Pastor Ricardo and on his family, Lord God. Right down to his wife and his children, Lord God. You've called them and anointed them. You've made it very clear. You've led them in a plain path, O Lord. And Lord, they're listening to you. And so we agree, Lord, that we will support and we will pray and we will give and we will go and we will be the hands and feet of Jesus with them. To whatever extent you call us to do that, we will do that. We'll minister to people who are marginalized. We'll minister to people in our everyday life. Lord, we'll be Jesus. We'll be the hands and feet of Christ. We'll let you well up within us. But we agree and we ask that you would bless the heart of Harrisburg and that you would raise up this core team, that you would build them strong, that the gates of hell would not prevail against your church in Allison Hill. And that the heart of Harrisburg would indeed well up with your heart, a heart for families knit back together, a heart for people coming to Christ, a community that raises up and trusts one another and loves one another and cares for one another and exalts Christ, Lord God. So we pray and we believe and we ask that you would do abundantly beyond what we can ask or think or imagine. And we pray this in your strong name, in the powerful name, in the overcoming name, the name that we live in and go in. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people say, amen, amen. Thank you for coming and sharing with us this morning. Well, you guys have to stop out afterwards and uh, meet Pastor Ricardo and his family. He's just full of life. I love that guy. Sometimes when you connect with somebody and you're just like, man, I want to spend more time with them. And uh, that's kind of what we're talking about in the message this morning. But also the Daybreak families that were up here, uh, the couples that were up here, you know, um, and Pastor Ricardo will be the first to tell you this, none of them are superheroes or just people who are, have made themselves available and surrendered to God to be used to reach people in the margins. So if, if uh, God's speaking your heart about that, stop out and see them afterwards and maybe you can be a part in some way as well. Well, when you think about uh, Jesus uh, making it his life about loving people and, and uh, making, leaving no question that he cares deeply about people who are on the margins and that we're to go in his name, the big heart that I want you to remember this morning is that God is calling us to an intentionality about that. Not, not just good intentions, but acting on being intentional about the way in which that we are reaching people who are in the margins. And you can start by just opening your eyes to the people and the needs that God has placed around you. I guarantee you, uh, you'll see them as you begin to open your heart to God in that way. But we can also trust God and be used by him here and now when we go in the name of Jesus to people who are in our everyday life. When we go in the name of Jesus to people who are in our everyday life. And when your life starts to be changed by your relationship with Jesus, the one thing that you can be sure of is that every day you are rubbing shoulders with people who need to see and know that same Jesus uh, through how you live your life and through who you are becoming. Your story or God's work in transforming you and the profound changes that Jesus has made in your life and the changes that he continues to make in you is meant to impact the people who are around you every day the people who are in your circles every day. And in Colossians, Paul speaks about what this looks like because Paul was a follower, um, 
Paul was, was a Jesus follower who had a history, and his history was a little different than many Jesus followers in that Paul had a history of despising Jesus and of murdering Christians, but then he encountered Jesus, and then his history was about being transformed by Jesus totally, moment by moment. And so when Paul writes the book of Colossians, which we're going to look at just one part of here in a moment, when Paul writes this book, he's actually saying this is the theme to the church at Colossae, and that's that Jesus is everything. Christ is supreme. He's above all, but he's everything to us. I want you to make him the center. I want you to make him the core of who you are. You can depend on Christ to be all that you need. And so in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, Paul describes what it looks like to go in the name of Jesus every day to every place that God takes you. I want you to follow along as I read. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it how? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you underline that? Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Colossians chapter 3 describes what it looks like to do everything you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. I just want to ask you this morning, What if Colossians 3, just for this morning, what if we let Colossians 3 serve as a spiritual report card for us? I want you to think about that for a minute. There were a lot of things in that list. Let me read them again. And don't think about this as a report card for the person beside you. Just think for you right now. (laughs) He calls us to love, to compassion, to kindness and humility. We're to be gentle and patient and forgiving Our lives are to be ruled by peace and thankful to God in all circumstances. Even if we just took the highlights this morning, what would your report card look like as you go out and live your life every day? Does it look like, uh, how would you grade yourself? I got to tell you, my my guess is that if I were grading myself, there would be days when I would say, yeah, I did okay in that today. God was really at work and and I saw God's evidence of God's work in my life, and there would be other days when I would say, like, I don't think I did very well today. I'm sure there would be days when maybe my wife and kids wouldn't even want to give me a passing grade in any of those things. You know, and this is the tension that is built up within us when we want to go out and we say, God, I want to be uh, used by you. Um, I want to go in your name. But we have this tension of feeling like we're not able to pull it off. Let me draw a little simple diagram for you. And uh, I like simple things, so I hope it's helpful to you. So whenever you want to go anywhere in life or see any change made in your life, let's say you're here. Okay, and right now, here represents you go in your name. 
Like if you were honest, you live your life in your name and your life is about what you need to do and what you need to get done and advancing yourself and you want God to be a part of that sometimes and you ask him to bless those efforts but really your life is about you and if you show up somewhere, it's usually because it's on your schedule and it's your time and you've figured it out and it benefits you or your family in some way. So most of the time, if you were honest, you say, my life is lived by going in my name. But you want to move from here to there And what is there? Well, there is going in Jesus' name. And that means that your life represents whenever you, as you get up every day and you're in the environment that God has placed you in and you go off to work or school or wherever it is that you go, you want to go in Jesus' name. And you want to find purpose in saying, when I show up somewhere, I want to bring that report card from Colossians to that place. I want to bring Christ into that place. I want to go and have purpose in my life and I want to show up in Jesus' name. But it seems awful discouraging when I read that list in the book of Colossians because I don't know how I get from where I am to that picture that's painted in Scripture of going in Jesus' name, from going in my name to going in his name. And I just want to put out to you this morning that I believe that Scripture gives us a really clear answer to that. And it says it a lot of different ways. But for this morning, I believe that the answer for us from getting from going in our name to going in Jesus' name is one word. Spell that right? I think I did. Availability. It's being available to God. God's not asking us to supernaturally somehow do all this stuff on our own. He's never asked that of us. God is saying, if you want to go from here to there, make yourself available to me. And I want to work in and through your life in a way that you never thought could could happen how do we get from here to there? We make ourselves available to God. And when we make ourselves available to Jesus, the beautiful part is that list of things in Colossians just starts to become natural outcomes of the work that God is doing in us and through us in our lives. Because Jesus wants to work through available lives. Colossians 3 is not about us being everything. It's about the fact that Jesus is everything. So that list of things in Colossians is really not our report card, it's his. And he's great at all that stuff. He gets it straight A's all the time. That's his character, that's his person. It's his report card that we're dependent on, not our own. Ours is never going to be good enough. But when we go in Jesus' name, we say, I'm going based on his report card. I'm making myself available for him to live his life out through me so that I'm, I'm going in his name. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians, to remind us that everything that we need is found in Christ and that being available or surrendered to him is our primary calling, our first calling. And when you make work first, when you make other pursuits in your life first, even when you make good things first like family and when you put them ahead of Christ, the problem is that when you make those things primary, they'll never fulfill you. And you're going in in your name with your report card and you're not going to do so well. But when you make Christ first, And when you make him primary, when you make Jesus primary, then those other things aren't distractions. God's love and his life and his blessing flows through you into those places. And then you're able to be able to live your life in Jesus' name, right in the places where God has placed you. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about salt and light? And we talked about the impact that both salt and light have? Only Jesus can be salt and light through our lives. We can't force it. We can't fake it. We can't muster it up. You're not, you can't just add Jesus into your life. He is either prominent and central, like the book of Colossians says, and he is living through you, or you're going in your name, 
not in his name. But this is the beauty of all of it, that going in the name of Jesus is seeing every part of your life as available for God to work in and through. And I don't know if you've ever seen your relationships, maybe the groups of people that you're involved with, the places that you live your life every day. I don't know if you've ever seen them as places where God is working and he's just inviting you to join him in his work. Your neighbors, your workplace, your kids' soccer practice, your dorm, the place that you eat lunch every week, the businesses that you frequent. What are those places for you? I want to encourage you, maybe even today, as we go through the rest of this message today, maybe even on the side of your outline, you just want to identify, what are my roles in life? I mean, am I a spouse, a parent, an employer, an employee, a soccer mom or a soccer dad, a friend, a coach, a teammate, a sibling, a client, a neighbor? What are my roles? Where are the places where God has placed me? Where do I live and move and have my being? And what if, what if as a part of God's amazing missional plan, what if he actually placed his followers in regular circumstances where he creates these opportunities for other people to experience his love and his hope and to experience a God who loves them? What, what if God is asking you and he's asking me today to go in the name of Jesus, to serve in any variety of role or profession that he might call us to, so that we can have daily opportunities to relate with people who aren't yet convinced that there's a God who loves them? What if that was all intentional on God's part? What if our work or the way that we accomplish our work, the way that we live our lives, allows people to trial run a relationship with Jesus? What does that look and feel like? And they begin to know what it looks and feels like because they're in relationship with us. And they rub shoulders with us every day. And that that was God's plan. This is about bringing God's compassion, his forgiveness, his hope, and his love, and his truth into the people's lives right where we live. And we're invited to participate in this mission. God makes it clear he actually calls us to be involved in this mission and to recognize that those everyday moments are opportunities to go in the name of Jesus here and now, every day for you. When I was in uh, my first year of college, I got to be a part of the Atlanta Street Team. And every Friday night, I'd go with a group of about 20 or 30 people. We'd go down into the heart of Atlanta and bring blankets and food and hope and love to people who were marginalized and who were hurting. One of the things that will always stand out to me as a memory of that year is that in that year, as we began to get to know these people, and a lot of times I'd revisit the same places and people on a weekly basis, get to build relationship with them, hear their story, know their pain, understand what they've been through, and then pray with them consistently every week. We'd bring the blanket and we'd bring the food, but we'd also bring the love of Christ and pray for them. And I can remember so powerfully, you know, before we'd leave, them grabbing you by the hands. Maybe you're under an overpass somewhere in an old cargo freight box sitting down in a corner of the city, and someone's grabbing you by the hands and saying, thank you, thank you for coming. And in so many words, they're saying, thank you for coming in Jesus' name. You didn't come in your name just to be a good person and maybe even meet my presenting need, just giving me food and a blanket, but thank you for coming and giving me value as a person. Thank you for coming and praying for me. Thank you for for coming in Jesus' name to me. And I remember leaving those experiences feeling like, wow, how humbling is that? I mean, how, how humbling is it to think that God was using me to do something 
way bigger than what I could ever know or discern or accomplish on my own. Just an amazing, amazing thing. And to think that God gives us those opportunities every day, every day that we have those opportunities to go in the name of Jesus. People do need us to tell them about Jesus, but as we learned from uh, Eugene Peterson at the beginning of the message, when we go in Jesus' name, does it feel more like a blessing or a punch in the face to people? I think you have to ask that question. When I show up with my truth or with my version of going in Jesus' name, does it feel like the love of Christ or does it feel like a pop in the nose to the person who's there? Towards the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, on a day that we now celebrate as Palm Sunday, those who knew Jesus' message and who had experienced his ministry and his healing and had heard words of life, they all came into Jerusalem and they all celebrated him. And this is what they said in Matthew 21. It says, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes, how? In the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. God gives us this incredible opportunity to bring Jesus to others, to go in his name. But when you go in the name of Jesus to these places, do people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless you for coming to work today with the hope and love of Christ. Bless you for showing up at class, not thinking about yourself, but allowing God to minister through you. Bless you for looking beyond your everyday life into the margins and seeing me and coming to meet a need in the name of the Lord. Do people say that of us? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's our goal. It's an outcome of a life that's lived in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you. We have this great opportunity as we walk through this series, um, not just to get up tomorrow and survive another day and go in our name and do our agenda and live our lives. We have this tremendous opportunity to go in the name of Jesus to the people in our everyday life and to give them an opportunity to say, I've experienced Jesus and I have a relationship with him because I experienced him through you. Philippians chapter 2 talks about what's going to happen someday, someday that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when no one uh, will be able to, to move away from that, when we'll all be in God's presence and everyone will have to declare that, that he is Lord. But even though that's going to happen one day, and that will be an amazing day, in the meantime, we have the opportunity to go in Jesus' name every day and do it in a way that brings blessing to those in our lives and points them to Christ. And when we go in the name of Jesus, we do bring healing and we do bring forgiveness and freedom and peace and love and compassion and gentleness. But when we go in the name of Jesus, most importantly, we bring Jesus. We bring Jesus every day to wherever God has called us. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's take a minute and and let God speak to us and respond to him as we wrap up today. And I want to be clear this morning that this is not about us doing. This is not about us trying harder. This is about us becoming available. Becoming available to God to go in his name. And I want to pray a prayer over you today and commission you and maybe God has had this on your heart or your mind throughout this series and today is your day to say, okay, God, I'm going to listen. 
I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to become available. This week, I want to live with purpose. But I want to pray this prayer over you that this week, that you might go in the name of Jesus and that you would go to people who are on the margins. That the members of our church family would go to the people in our everyday life in the name of Jesus and that God would be so honored through your life and through my life that this community and the places where we live and move and have our being would truly be able to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and that we might deliver your your hope and your truth and your love, Lord, just as you planned it, just as you intended us to. We love you, God. Amen. Just a couple thoughts as we get ready to respond respond today. Take out your response card and throw it. If you take out your response card, uh, you can fill that out. And on the back today, um, there's a number of opportunities for you to respond to. We've talked about a number of them in this service already. Maybe you've heard one of those opportunities and God's leading you to be a part of it. Or maybe God's just speaking to you about something personally in your own life and you said, I need to be intentional. If I'm not intentional about this, I will walk out of this room and I will miss my opportunity to be obedient to God. Don't miss your opportunity. If God's speaking to you, go ahead and write it down. We'll pray for you. We'll pray with you this week. And also, if you need prayer today, during these next song or two, you can just head right out the back, down the hall to the left. Our prayer room's just out here, and someone will listen for you and and, and lay hands on you and pray with you. Or maybe you have another prayer request you just want to write on the card today. Whatever it is, take these next couple moments. Respond to God's voice. God's Spirit is speaking, and He's leading you. He has something that He wants specifically for you to respond today. Let's respond to Him, and then we'll worship together.